This podcast is sponsored by Safe House Rehab Thailand, the premier drug and alcohol rehab dedicated to enhancing the science of recovery. First, a plug for my sponsor, who has given me the opportunity to help the families and loved ones of alcoholics and addicts better understand the nature of the disease and what they can and shouldn't do about it, shouldn't try to do about it. We say in our podcast and blog that our primary goal is to help you make an informed decision at this critical stage of your life. Safe House Rehab Thailand represents the modern approach to recovery, founded on safety, which is why we absolutely outperform traditional rehabs when it comes to intake and detox, technology, and aftercare. To learn more about our modern, advanced approach to recovery, we invite you to visit safehouserehab.com or send your questions and comments to info at safehouserehab.com. One of the topics that uh, Tony brought up in his conversation with uh, with Frank just now was, um, at first, it feels good, it tastes good, you feel good, and then it stops working for you, right? So just like many alcoholics, myself included, toward the end, you could drink your brains out and you wouldn't feel any better. So at the beginning, it makes you feel good because it, it, uh, it loosens your inhibitions, you now belong, you're now social when you may not have been social before, it changes you and turns you into a person that you sort of like, and you get accepted by other people when you're in that state, and you find other people who accept you in that sort of drinking circle. Fast forward 20 years, you can drink your brains out, and you just it doesn't work for you anymore. So it stops working for you. And alcohol, in this particular case, is classified as a depressant. So I'm sitting in treatment one day, and I asked my counselor, I said, Margaret, why am I so depressed all the time? And she said, young man, you've been using a depressant called alcohol for 25 years straight, and you sit there and you wonder why you're depressed. <laughs> so, um, terrific. So, Frank, you were talking about your friend Ben? Yes. And, uh, and then you went forward from there to... Yes, I had mentioned earlier oh, that Dick. I, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I mentioned earlier that I didn't have any lifelong friends. The person that I've known the longest is Dick, and I met him in 10th grade. So I was still living at home. Uh, this is just before I left. I left in the summertime, the school break. I left and went and lived downtown and was so I knew him. And he was another one that I would say was another idol, another guy that I looked up to. He was the same age as me. His life was similar to mine, but he seemed to get have the, all the stuff that was better. Or He was more innovative. He worked at the National Arts Centre as a boy. When the National Arts Centre just opened, he got a job there. He worked on the people and got a job there. He had a little apartment. I used to go and hang out with him. And we went through the girls pretty heavy and we had the drugs pretty heavy and our life was it was fun. We we were fun. We shot pool together. We and I followed him in a lot of ways. Okay. He later on he got into motorcycles. I got into motorcycles. He worked at a place after he left, I went and worked at that place. Okay. 
he drank in this bar, he left, but I went and drank in that bar. So I, maybe I was weak, but I looked up to what he did and it was okay. Yeah. You know? You were emulating. Emulating, yes. Okay. So we go back a long way. He left town, he moved to Vancouver, and I didn't hear much from him. We talked once in a while at Christmas, we'd call or he'd send a, a crazy Christmas card to me. Now we fast forward to when I'm uh, 30, 29. And I get on a motorcycle with this wonderful girl that's the direct opposite of the girl that I just broke up with, who was the little princess. And now this is a biker girl. Mm. And her and I are, we are emulating, as you were saying, we're doing everything the same. We're partying. We're into this heavy sex. She's got a bike. She's a redhead. She's wild. This is perfect for me. Mm -hmm. So we travel across the country on our motorcycles and show up at my friend's place, Dick's place. Mm. And he is now living with a, a wonderful, wholesome, a Mother Earth woman who's got five kids, none of them his, you know. Where, where is he located? Where is this is in Lip Comox, B.C., Okay. And he's working on motorcycles, which we did together before he left. We built motorcycles in my kitchen. You know, this what we did. So he said, come work, you know, you can hang around here. So I hung around with the woman that I was with. And I worked in the shop. And finally, it was like, it's time for us to go. And we moved down to Victoria and did a few things, I picked daffodils, but still the whole alcohol-centered thing was there, with the bars, the friends, the bikes. It was heavy. Until that got to be too much. In what way? The woman and I had a falling out, and the alcohol was probably the... It was her alcohol problem. I related that to my mother. Okay. Actually. Got it. You know, that's... So she scared you? Yeah. She scared me. Okay. But we... Uh, so I gave that up, and that's when I moved to Thailand. And I left that whole life and started here in Thailand. What was uh, Dick's lifestyle like was he then when he was living with mother earth and the five kids was he drinking was he yeah he but not to excess but it sounded like he got normalized sort of right settled definitely down, settled down had a job had yeah, a yeah. had something going on she, drank she a little took bit. care of him she okay took, so she, she took again care. another woman taking care of okay. one of my friends okay so i lived in thailand for eight or nine months and it was time to go back my ticket, my return ticket, had ex going to expire. And I went back and s stayed with him. So now I'm in Comox again. And he's drinking more. And he's got me working in his shop. And I'm trying to be the stable, stabilizing. Responsible one, right. Okay. So we're, we're working in motorcycles again. Okay. I'm trying to stabilize him. Again, 
it wasn't until much later I learned his problem. There's so many things in the middle of all of this that <laughs> fall together. Right. People that I met because of him, you know, uh, and I didn't realize what had happened to him until much later that he had been, his parents were poor and they had to be taken care of by the diocese. Okay. Well, in the diocese there was a, a priest and the priest had gr grown up in the priesthood in those days and they were all abused. Hmm. And it was a, they abused because they were abused and okay. it just, the cycle kept going. Well, I learned that this priest abused him when he was okay. very young. And that was a problem. Okay. That a lot was, of pain. That was his pain, but he never shared it, right. ever. Sat on it. How did you learn about this? Just recently he came to visit me and he told me. Oh, be darned. So this was just, this is decades later, right, that he yeah. shared this with you? Yeah, okay. many. I've okay. known him since he was 15 and we were, we're 65, you know, we're okay. two days apart, our birthdays. So we've known each other, we shared a lot, but uh, I didn't realize that that was his pain. Right. Um, Do, I mean, this is obvious, but his drinking is related to trying to ease the pain then, is that yeah, your sense? Yeah, okay. I think so. Yeah. And he, he came and, you see, I have this problem with people that I'm close to. Who drink they remind me of my mother and I can't get over it and I become disgusted with that that they can't control themselves this is you this is me okay so I have an issue with them and I'm hoping that they would get over their problem because I always hoped that she would get over her problem but she never did and they don't so that means to that yeah. that's my that's my problem um. Do you, I know this is in, since I've known you, we talked a lot about the disease, the disorder of alcoholism and drug addiction. Had you uh, a sense that maybe they were in the grip of a disease or did you feel like they might have had more personal control over this? Oh, I always thought that they had personal control. Okay. I never thought it was a disease. Okay. I thought it was their weakness. How's okay. that? All right. This yeah. is important to know. I yeah. I mean, that's just, this no, is no not... slam on people who believe that, but, okay. The, and I know, I know now that the addiction is more than that, but still, it's my core belief. Okay. That they're, all of these people, my mother, my father, my brother, my good friends, I always thought in, the, in my heart that they were just weak. Okay. Because I'd seen them... So a question get, of character. I'd seen you. them get over it. Some. I'd seen them get over it. I saw Benny get over it. And become this wonderful human being again. Right, right. And I'd seen glimpses of Dick being a wonderful, thoughtful. Right, right. And these guys were all masters of their craft. Interesting, too, that given your situation where um, one projects forward a little bit, where you say, well, I, I can take it or leave it. Why can't they? Right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And I'd be willing. Yeah. yeah. Now, you're saying that, but I know now there are some things that I cannot and will not take it <laughs> right. anymore. Right. Because I know that it would be, I've been there. Yeah. And it's the ruin, it's there. And when it's all around, yeah. I would always do it when it's around. So I too fight the addiction, but it's not 
as some other You haven't lost the power of choice, no. Frank. You no, that's true. Yeah. But if, if it started, I wouldn't have the choice anymore. Right, I got it. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a good insight. Okay, so that was your friend Dick. Mm. And next chapter, maybe? Well, let's go to my friend Marty. Okay. Now, I'm just come to Thailand. I'm early 30s when I came to Thailand. First three months. Now I have to go to Malaysia to get a visa extension. Okay. And I go down to Penang, Georgetown, to the embassy, get a small hotel room, cheap, cheap. And um, I'm going back to the room and this guy yells down at me. Hey there, what are you doing? (laughs) And so I go up and He's on the balcony of this small hotel in Georgetown. Georgetown's where? In Malaysia. Malaysia, okay, yeah, just over we, the border. He's gone for a visa okay. run as well. Okay. And we get to know each other. We sit and drink. Turns out that we actually know people. Hmm. The old small world thing. The old small world. People in Ottawa, people in Toronto. He knew this guy, and I know that Crazy. guy, or that guy's friend. and You know, we were pretty... In the same circles, even the other side of the planet. So we became friends, reluctant friends in the beginning, but we became friends. And he had, he was a very addictive personality. He had a big problem with heroin. And, you know, I'm always the one to share. So we shared a little and then we disappeared, and somehow we reconnected again. Now, this is within the first year of me living in Thailand. And there he is. He's living with a prostitute from um, Pat Pong Road, living in what we used to call the bunker, which was off of, in the back, off of Pat Pong Road. In there, what city? In Bangkok. Bangkok. Yeah, I'm living in Bangkok at this time. Okay. So he's living in the bunker, which is a huge warren, concrete warren of rooms. Massive. Hundreds and hundreds of rooms. Not a nice place. Nice place? No, no, just just a... Mid-grade? No, no, no. I mean, in reality, a very low place. Where we're speaking now, this was what they had with a double bed and a closet. Okay. And she cooked in the hallway. Okay. But she had another one that had taken him under her wing mm-hmm. and got him off the heroin. Mm. So she would always allow me to come and drink with him to help him get off the heroin because his heroin addiction had gotten so bad. So I would go there and get drunk and stumble home in the middle of the night to go you to You didn't bed. do any heroin with him? No, no, we weren't doing heroin at that point. No, no, no we'd done some before, but at this point okay. we finished. And I didn't encourage him because she was helping him. So we drink and he got off the heroin and she, she was just a wonderful loving woman and even though she she was a prostitute living not some nights not come home other yeah. times being there all the time. Thailand style. Thai style. But yeah. cooking the chicken for us every yeah. night, you That's know. Amazing, huh? Yeah. So then I told you that I'd gone back. Right. To Canada. And him and I talked 
So when I came back to Thailand, it was one of my contacts where I went okay. to to help to revitalize my life in Thailand. So by this time, was he straight when you came back and visited with him, or? Oh, the, the heroin was gone, yeah. Okay. He, had, he had definitely gone off the okay. heroin, and we would not do it again. But everything else was on the table. He right. still had the personality of it. Was he drinking too? Yeah, lots. Oh, okay. We were all drinking lots, okay. you know. It was another, another new group of my Thai friends, and alcohol was part of the, okay. the thing, but not, not the hard drugs. The marijuana, but not the hard drugs. Okay. So we, uh, we knew each other, and it turns out that I was, I was the butt of the, his jokes. He would always put me down, when, not when we were together, but when we were with other people. He'd put me down. And I just laughed it off, laughed it off with everybody else laughing about. For a while. For a long time, actually. Okay. So then, now you're going, I'm, we're going back and forth. Now I'm married with a child, and I'm going back and forth. Okay. And fast forward now, my child is in university, and I've moved back to Thailand and gone to see him in a small town mm -hmm. where we live, you and I live now. Yep, yep. And he had a very good job. And... His abuse of me never stopped, but I, so again, he's sarcastic toward you. He's yeah, yeah. I was always butt of the joke, right? Anyway, right. but so there's some mean spiritedness going on. Definitely okay. But so. his issue now became the Xanax, another addiction. Oh, I remember you telling me. So his problem was the Xanax. He got into the Xanax, but we were always. We were always ones to experiment, you know. In Thailand, in those days, you could go into any pharmacy, and as long as you could tell them what you want and they had it, they'd sell it to you. Yeah. And you could open a bottle of Heineken in the cooler that was in the pharmacy and take the pills and say, we'll be back in an hour. Mm -hmm. And that was our life. That's We raged. Again, more motorcycles, more yeah. raging, partying, hard. Right. And everybody was into it. It was a laugh. It was okay. a joke, yeah. you know. But then it became, for him, not a joke anymore because he got into the Xanax. He brought me into the Xanax, but not like he... What does Xanax do for people? It's a... Is it a depressant? Yeah, is it a, it, I think what it is... Is it a downer? Is it a downer? I think what it's, it's meant to manage people that have anxiety. anxiety. Okay. So it's an anti-anxiety drug. So, I'm But just, in small amounts, okay. half milligrams, milligrams taken right. a number of times during the day. Well, we were taking five and ten milligrams at a shot and getting the big whack out of it. What What does it do to the body? What does it do to your mind and body when you take a lot of it? Oh, you feel wonderful okay. because it, it's that so. Kind it's of, a high, definitely a high. Okay, but then you slide down very quickly, and it's a wonderful drug late in the day because you just go down and sleep. Okay, you no, know, we could drink. We but could it's a do, gentle ride down. Yeah, okay. we could drink and we could do morphine and have fun and then go down. But his thing then became manic. He got a handgun. His wife bought him a handgun because he wanted a handgun, and Thai households can have handguns. Right. And he'd be brandishing the handgun around. What was his rationale for having it? 
Uh, paranoia. Okay. Of course, the too much too much of the Xanax right. brought right. the paranoia on. Yeah. Okay. Because of the anxiety, you're taking an anti-anxiety drug. So insanity breaks out. Insanity comes out of the corners. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he finally had to leave Thailand because it got too much. The madness, and he knew he was a smart guy. The madness was too much. Did his wife kick him out or what? No, no, no. They moved out together. Oh, okay. They moved to Canada again. So they wanted to get out of that environment, essentially. Is that what it was? They had to get out of that environment. Okay. Because it was... It was too easy to do all that stuff. And it was much going to come very quickly. The end was going to come very quickly. Okay. He was going to kill her. So you could see the end coming. He was going to kill her. He killed himself. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. So... Got it. It's the gun it's and the, the gun drugs. And the drugs. Okay. Very bad it. combination. Oh, man. And so, bad drugs, too. Yeah. And, but again, he had a wonderful job. He was a manager in a factory. It was, you know, but again, his boss was into the drugs. Oh, that I mean, doesn't help. So that's when we did the GHB. So and that, that's, that's, when, that's, that's the environment. It's... It's the drugs. The it's whole. the drugstore. It's the gun. It's the social circle. It's He's completely the immersed in this drug-using, abusing environment. Plus, it's accepted. He's high, it's, it's accepted. He's got a high-pressure job, apparently, and he's got a gun. He's getting paranoid. He's taking Xanax. And, 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 and. And other. And other drugs. Yeah, other sure. drugs on top of it. Yeah, of course. So he's got to get the hell out before he kills he knows, himself. He knows he's got to get out. Okay. And so he did go to Canada. Okay. And he, now he's driving an Uber or something and living a life of a very quiet late 60s guy, as far okay. as I understand. So he escapes. He escapes. There's got to be an escape somehow. Yeah. One or you die. Or um, what do you... Have you been in contact with him recently or... Ah, uh, you see, I told you he abused me. and I. Ah, uh, that left not a good taste. So the before I moved back to Thailand for the last time, and I've been here for about seven years, I did see him. The funny thing was that his brother and my brother in, lived in Burlington around the corner from each other. Okay. And he had left in the interim time when I had left he came and we met each other in Canada again for the last time. Okay. And it didn't stop, even though he knew right. that I disliked it and he was not drinking anymore. And I was successful enough that now I'm coming back to Thailand. Sure. I'm retiring. Right, right. Where he had worked all his life right. and had nothing, pissed well, actually, away all his kind, money. You kind of traded places in a way, right? Except that I came back to Thailand. You were in good able to shape. Re- you were in good shape. To retire. Right. And Come he'd back worked, to Thailand. He and he'd worked all his camp. life and never saved any yeah, money. Sure. Yeah. Not a pot to piss in. So he never, I think maybe that was the big problem, is that he saw what I was capable of and that yeah. he was jealous of it yeah. in a way. Yeah, sure. And he used to push me down. Well, you had your act together and he didn't. Right. And he saw that I could. He saw that. Yeah. I could take or leave this yeah. stuff. All yeah. the alcohol, yeah. all the booze, yeah. all the So basically drugs. he hit bottom, but he didn't fall out because he's you know, driving Uber and, and kind of subsisting at this point in time. Yeah. I want to bring up a topic quickly, uh, just as I saw these patterns. Um, is it your um, conclusion that um, people who, addicts, alcoholics who are active, 
uh, use money as a drug and that they, that, that spending is a big issue for many or all of them? Definitely. Definitely. I would say that most of, no, definitely all of those, these people that I've talked about spent a lot of money. Right. Didn't save. Didn't save. It was just in and out. Okay. Big Benny, big money, big right, contracts. Right, right, In and out. In and out. Like water. And everything was, it's okay. We, he can pay the shot for everybody. It's so okay. he can, so is the thinking, and I, I can equate, <laughs> I can relate to this, is like, hell, hell, I'll just make more, right? Exactly. Yeah, okay. I'll make more. I'll just make more. When I went to work for Dick in his motorcycle shop, I had to physically restrain him from going out to buy new tools. Okay. We don't need that. Yeah. We yeah, can use yeah. this. Impulsive. 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 Got the money, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. All right. And again, became successful, but it was just... Okay. He crashed. Okay. Lost it. So that's Marty. Okay, so wrapping up your conclusions, your lessons, uh, <laughs> maybe you can talk... Well, lessons that the audience should draw from your stories, uh -huh. rather. And also, any sense that your thinking might have changed with respect to alcoholism, drug addiction, addiction as a disorder where people lose the power of choice. And that's up to you. To so what, what I've seen, what people might have understood is that I've seen drugs and alcohol destroy people. Okay. But I've also seen them, most of them, come back, have something that would ground them and take them back to life. Some not. Some had been through rehabs and then it thought that they could handle it and started drinking the same way. Okay. Some who grabbed onto a woman and that was their essence and that was their rehab because she supported them and helped them. Would they fall out again? Probably all of them would fall out again without that support. Okay. I think that the it's an ongoing thing. It's not it's not a today is good, tomorrow's not good, oh the next day is good. It's a lifelong okay. commitment to right. a change. Okay. Some people like myself, I did make change and I've I don't drink anymore. I did go to the border in Cambodia and get whiskey, cheap whiskey and drink every day and realized I didn't have to do that anymore. I don't do the drugs, I don't drink, but I will have a pizza and a beer because a pizza without a beer is like <laughs> just not, it doesn't happen. But it's not 10 beers, it's a beer. It's like having the soda. Uh -huh. So I, I empathize with addicts. I've seen it. I know that it's a horrible affliction. It takes strength, it takes resolve, it takes somebody. Or something that's your rock that you can hold on to to make you maybe help you get through it. Okay. You have to come to a decision and you have to be, really has to be your decision. Your mother or your brother or your father or someone can help you on the path, but it has to be your decision. You have to own it. You have to own it, yeah. Okay. And you can't, because if they, send you to rehab, 
it's their fault that you don't make it because they sent you. Yeah. It's you yeah. have to make the decision. Right. You have to be the one that says, it's time for me to give this up. What and, about your sense of this is a disease and a disorder? Well, I think that, honestly, I think it can be a disease. I think that it can be can be hereditary. It can be something that you've learned in your past, your parents, your friends, that it's accepted and that you just flow with it. But is it you see, I don't I'm not a medical person okay. that can say it's All a right. disease. Okay. So so the National Institutes of Health classifies Alzheimer's drug addiction as a as a mental disorder. That I would agree with. A mental a mental illness. Sure. Okay. That I agree with definitely, okay, yeah. but it's okay. it's it's and and the consequence of that, according to them, and you know that's supported by a whole lot of research and also our personal experience, mm. is that people in in fact lose the power of choice that it takes them over. One of the authors that I recently read was, "Don't think of this addict as don't think of the person acting a certain way. Separate the person from the disease, and it's the disease." that has them acting that way. But further conversations about this will be had. Sure. Okay. Uh, I want to thank you a lot for um, incredible stories. I think that we'll create some episodes out of your many stories. I thank you for your conclusions and your honesty, both your own life, uh, which I've heard for the first time in many cases here, even though we've known each other for a while. And and also for your storytelling abilities. You tell a hell of a story. So we thank you very, very much. And that comes from being a Canadian, by the way. Of course. <laughs> Naturally. Eh? Natural, natural Canadian. So, so once again, folks, uh, wrapping it up uh, with my good friend Frank. And thanks to him for all the insights. And then we'll come back next week. Tune in next week for the next episode of Busting Addiction and Its Myths, where we now have our weekly episodes titled by topic for you to search and download at your leisure, all in the interest of busting some myths and bringing you the truth about the face of addiction and alcoholism today.